0: About a month ago, I almost lost it completely, and nobody knew it except for me. Anybody ever do that? I was uh, driving over to uh, my friend Boyd's house, and um, he's, he's really good with cars, because the car that I just purchased was making this terrible hot smell, And it was getting worse, and uh, the rear brakes were failing to disengage. I didn't know that at the time. And I was literally dragging the back half of the car with the front half. Now, Now, Boyd is great, and we actually, he got me rolling that night, and he has great candor, and he ordered a few parts for me. But the fear still lingered, and at one point I actually had to excuse myself to another room and just call my wife. I just needed to talk to her. And, um, you'd think I would have been filled with Thanksgiving for a friend who spent the evening with me fixing the car. But Thanksgiving was not on my mind. Not a bit. I had no idea what was wrong inside me, but I, I figured it out. And I'll tell you a little bit later. My point for now is that when you watch what a person does or doesn't do and you watch how they talk about their feelings or don't talk about their feelings you can find out what they believe. And especially you can find out what they believe about God. You can see if they're thankful to God, waiting on Him in the midst of the unknown or, if they're unthankful, believing it's ultimately all up to them. Most privately, this, this comes out in the way that we pray. Or if we pray at all. And this is good because we've been talking a lot about prayer lately. Specifically, we've been talking about a method of how to pray, and this method is called ACTS, A C T S. ACTS. Adoration, adoring God for who he is, confession, confessing to God who we are and this week, thanksgiving. This thanksgiving is a direct response to God's forgiveness of us. Let me first briefly connect last week's sermon with where we're going this morning. Pastor Drew gave us a lot to think about last week in his sermon on Thanksgiving or on confession. It's it's perhaps the most least practiced part of prayer, actually confessing to God in prayer what we've done or the condition of our hearts. But genuine confession to God gives us a really right perspective, and that perspective means that that when we confess, we see how low we are, and we see how high God is, and how high His mercy is. And He offers us all that mercy, even though we offer Him nothing. And so then, our prayers overflow with thanksgiving, and so does everything we do, right? Right? The heart of my argument this morning is this, because God has given us every reason to thank him, we thank him with everything we have, our minds, our hearts, and our work, total thanksgiving. And this morning's text, Psalm 100, paints such a picture. I'm going to start by reading all five verses, and then I'll just zero in on a few of them at a time. Endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We just sung that. This is point one. Thanksgiving transforms our minds. As we look at all five verses, I hope you can see this total Thanksgiving play out, but for now, I'm gonna zero in on thanking God with our minds, and that's verse three. So I'm gonna read verse three again, because this is really important. Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. First, let me briefly explain why I'm starting in verse 3 and not verse 1. It's because what we believe, what we know in our minds, informs how we feel and what we do. We know who God is, so because of that, we incline our hearts towards Him, and then our work just reflects that. All of it is done in thanksgiving out of something true God did that we first believed. So, let's start in the mind in verse 3. The psalmist gives us three things that we should know about God, out of which all thanksgiving flows. There's three things of this. The Lord is God. The Lord made us. And the Lord will keep us. I hope you see these things right there. Spelled out. I'm not interpretive yet. I'm just observing exactly what is right there written down for you. First, the Lord is God. As in, there is one God. There's not many gods. There's one God. And in the case of Christianity, this God exists in three persons. But one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're working together. They've always been working together. John chapter 1. And they always will. And nobody is above them. Polytheism was absolutely huge at the time of this writing. And so the temptation all around and even mixed in with Israel is that the world is full of many gods and perhaps they're fighting with one another. This can also be very much a present mentality even amongst new young Christians. Some believe that there is a cosmic battle of good versus evil. Like God and the devil are arm wrestling over control of the universe. But um, when you think about this, how does knowing that there's one God change anything? How, how does knowing that there's one God and that this God, the God of the Bible, is above all? How does that change the way that we pray, the way that we think, the way that we feel, what we do? Here's how. If God is supremely in control, then the purpose of our prayers is to align ourselves to God. But if God is not in control, then our prayers are an attempt to conform God to what we want. Or if what we pray for doesn't happen, then we will be convinced that God isn't listening. Or that perhaps we prayed incorrectly. And we'll try again. Knowing that the Lord is God matters. Second truth, the Lord made us. That not only means he designed us, but it means that he now has the authority over the things we say, the thoughts that enter our minds, our affections, he has power over cancerous cells, he has power over wounds that can't bear children or will not stop bearing children. This is simply a more personal way of looking at the reality that the Lord is God. He's not just generally in control. He is specifically concerned about people. How does this affect thanksgiving in our prayers? It means whether we're sick or healthy, or whether we're young or old, God is in control and so our condition is not meaningless or or, or permanent. Again, there's there's purpose. And I know as we, as we look around and, and many people here are ailing physically or globally, we see a lot of suffering. It's hard to accept this, but it doesn't make it not true. I think these two realities make the third thing that we have to know, the Lord will keep us, perhaps the most relevant to our thankfulness. That God has the power And order over all things. And yet. He has promised. To keep us. I love. The shepherding imagery. That the psalmist uses. We are the sheep of his pasture. Imagine a sheep. Who keeps wandering. Or just look at a toddler. That works too. And that sheep. That sheep needs needs a crook every now and then. Sometimes gently around the shoulder, sometimes more firmly somewhere else. And um, but that shepherd, that shepherd would fight a lion. That shepherd would die to save that sheep. That sheep, that shepherd would walk very far into a very dark place to rescue that sheep. That's God, towards us, always. How does that give us reason for thanksgiving? I hope this one's a little bit more obvious. We know that every atrocity in all of history, committed by every person, and us, and against people, or by people, every disaster, every sickness, they all fall under the power of God, they all will and that God has promised to keep all who trust in him. Friends, prayers of thanksgiving are born out of knowing who God is. That's where your prayers of thanksgiving are born. The Lord is God, the Lord made us, and the Lord will keep us. This doesn't simply change our minds. It gets better. This actually changes our hearts. It's Point two. Thanksgiving transforms our hearts. I'll read verse five now. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. What we feel about God, how we interpret the things He does, matters. Look at the language of the psalmist. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. He is always thankful. So the Lord keeps him. This isn't flowered when you think about it. All the psalmist is doing is applying these truths from point one to interpret God as not just God, but good. It's because he's God, because he'll... He made us because he'll keep us, that we can trust him, that we can incline our hearts towards him. But what if God doesn't seem good? What does that say about what we're believing? Let me begin to answer this by continuing the uh, car story. Prior to buying this car with its surprising ailments that have seemed to fade away, I was in a car accident two months ago. It was totaled, and as I as our car limped to the tow station, my body was in shock from standing in the snow for longer than I should have been in the middle of winter, and uh, making sense of everything at a very late hour. As Becky and I wondered, what will happen next? It was the same feeling that I would have later as I was driving to Boyd's house. Four years before that, I was in a car accident. Now one was also total. As our car was towed away, I stood, again, in the middle of winter, in a bit of shock for being in the cold for quite a while, making sense of everything, as I waited for the police, wondering what will happen next. Two years before that, another car was totaled. As our car was towed away, I stood again in the middle of winter. In this first instance, for two hours, with not even a jacket, waiting for a tow truck, wondering what. What happened next? All these similar traumatic experiences started to add up in my head. And my mind started to insist on a new narrative every time it was cold and it was dark. Or I was waiting for another car. And here's how the narrative worked. Here's what it said. Everything breaks and you die in the cold alone. It's amazing how the very fear of loneliness can alienate me from people in the same room. In the same garage. Nowadays, I can't get into my car, let alone drive it, without some sense of anxiety. Some sense. Every time I get in, do you know how much I drive? And if it's cold, or it's dark, sometimes I don't even get in. I change my plans. Or I ask somebody to come with me, because I'm sure that if I go, I'll die, and I'll die alone. That's what my brain tells me. I seem just about the opposite of the psalmist here, don't I? Why is he so happily looking to the future? Look what he says. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. I can't always relate to that. Can you? Now, maybe maybe you can kind of vibe with me or you can sympathize. But you're like, Dan, I don't get all the feels. You know, that's not me. Or maybe you get different ones. Maybe perhaps your reaction to present trouble or an unknown future is anger or a hypersense of control or jealousy. But perhaps now your efforts are all just an attempt at stoicism You just turn the feelings off. And you got really good at it. Or it creeps in and you don't know how it got there And why it won't leave. But how it's displayed in our emotions really doesn't matter. The point here is that there's a belief underneath these feelings. These reactions. And if it's not thanksgiving towards God. It is thanklessness against God. And that is a big problem. But it can be solved what we have to do is we have to go back to point one and look at the belief behind the feeling or the lack of feeling. In my instances of anxiety, I'm actually failing to believe all three truths. Think about it. In my instances of anxiety, I'm believing that the Lord is not God because my fear is God, that's what's making me choose. I'm believing that the Lord didn't make me because in care. I'm alone. And I'm believing that the Lord won't keep me because I'm gonna die that way. And I would add as bonus evidence that in those moments I didn't pray to God. If you're not praying to God, you can probably guess that you're not being thankful toward him if he doesn't even enter in the picture. But what I believe is exactly where the truth needs to penetrate and here's the new narrative. Here's the new narrative that I've been reminding myself of. And it's pretty simple and I would encourage you to learn it too. Even though my heart and my mind falter, God does not. He doesn't. In fact, it was God's resolution that even allows me to cry out to him in the first place. Jesus died cold and alone, so I don't have to. And you don't either. That's what it costs to keep me. And Jesus paid that. That's not simply a good feeling that happen? So what we need to do when our thanksgiving falters, when our feelings and our reactions are against God is to remember what is true and go back, especially when we're praying, and confess that what we're feeling and ultimately what we're believing is not true. God it? This is, this seems so small. But it is so important to practice this all the time. Not just when things are crazy. The stories we tell, about, we tell ourselves about God really matter. Friends, what stories do you tell yourselves about God? Now this isn't a simple fix. Some people have been told, or they've been ch- or they've chosen to believe, a lifetime of lies about who God is. There are a world a world of mental health issues that may need to be put into practice. And beyond that, everyone might have a different reaction anxiety, anger, control, or a different baseline, different threshold, different ceiling even. For how much they can turn that off. And so to simply say try harder really does miss the point. It doesn't care for you. And that's not how God deals with us. Instead, in thankfulness, we remember as we confess, God is always faithful to forgive. And so we remain patient as we care for other people. We draw them out. And we entrust ourselves to those people. Like I called my wife up. I started talking to people about what was going wrong. Started to work. And it took a while. The Lord is God and he made us and he will keep us. And believing that transforms the way that we feel. It means... That I can stand on the road days from now, or months from now, or years from now, or maybe even on the way home. Maybe my car will break down again. I don't know. I know nothing about cars. So I go to boy, And I can stand on the road and I say, you know what, God? You own the cars on a thousand hills. And I'm on hill number five. Or even more than that. I can remember. That God is with me. Right here. I know. I love calling my wife. Love talking to Boyd. Bill. Whoever. I can remember. That I will not die alone. He won't let me. Now imagine. What thankfulness like that born out of knowing who God is, is going to do not just what you believe and what you feel, but how you work. What you tell people about God. What you choose to do with your time. How you choose to interact with your neighbors. That's point number three. I'm going to give us some examples of how all this affects not only our work, but our prayers as we work. Point three, Thanksgiving transforms our work. I'm going to read verses one and two, and then verse four. I'll stop merry-go-rounding around this song. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now there are three ways that this psalm tells us to now outwardly thank God. To outwardly work. The first is the most obvious from the text. It says we sing to him and we bless him. We make a joyful noise and we come into his presence with singing according to verses 1 and 2. So we sing here, and some of you sing at home, some of you sing in the shower, some of you sing in your car. But we're also mindful of the songs that we allow in, right? Everybody singing is preaching. Don't forget that. And verse 4 tells us to bless his name we speak kind words about God to ourselves and to other people we are mindful of the words that we allow into our minds even as we talk to our neighbors then we give God glory this actually serves a purpose it's not just for me it's for them Because if a neighbor opens up to me and shares something that they don't understand, and I can help them make some connection to God, I may have, for the first time, started to renew their minds and give meaning to something that they would call chaos. I get to do that. So we sing and speak of these truths which we know. Another nuance of this application that I want to draw your attention to is also in verse 4. We enter his courts with thanksgiving. We enter. It means we come in thankful even if we don't feel thankful. Church, when you think about it and you look at these five verses in order, they actually look a lot like your average church service. Look at it. We start with singing verses one and two. And we learn from the Bible and we recount truth, verse three, and then we sing and talk some more. Verses four and five. And we interpret it all as good. And I say that because I don't always coming I don't always come in here feeling like singing. Do you? Corraling the kids. In the car, put your pants on, sing. What kind of week I had? I want to sing? Or talking? What I need to do, and what we need to do is sing anyway, simply because the object of our singing, is true, and good. Worthy. Worthy of our sin. Isn't it? One final nuance, and then I'll move on to the next application. The phrase, enter his courts, is not simply church. Since God has taken up residence in our hearts, in our minds, we are his courts. So the application is daily. And I've already said this. I won't go on. We approach our our own bodies. Preaching thanksgiving to ourselves. Of what we know to be true. Because the Lord is God. he made us. And he will keep us. Secondly we serve God gladly. That's verse 2. No matter our role in life. But I'll focus more specifically here. No matter our condition. We serve with gladness. Since it really is all about God, we're actually free to humble ourselves, even if it's something we don't feel like doing. And it means no job is too big, but no job is too small. Tom recently shared ways you can use a member can actually help our church punch in week by week. All these ways you can serve. And if you're like me, you might have started looking at the ones that you're good at. Or the ones that you like. Or saying, man, I hope they don't ask me to do that one. When our works falter, and we're tempted to feel a certain way and not want to work, what we need to do is remember the truth. This work is an act of thanksgiving to God. It's not just about keeping the lights on in here. Although with your help, the lights will stay on in here. Thirdly, in thanksgiving, we reach the world. Let me close in on the last few words of the first verse. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. I wanted to, even though it was connected to singing, I wanted to separate it in its own application. Because what the psalmist wants us to know is that this joy, this thankfulness that we have That comes out of knowing who God is and what he's done in us. This is not just for my prayers. It's not just for my mind, my heart. And it's not just for this church. It's for people who don't even know who God is. It's for the world to partake in. That's why Jesus came to gather people from every nation. And we help in that work because we love God. And we love God because we know he's God. We know he made us. and We know he will keep us. So for the Christian, I want you to know this. Christianity is not merely your mind changed. It's not merely your heart changed. It's not merely your work changed. It is all three done in thanksgiving to God. We change because He is unchanging. And to the non Christian, please know this. Thanks for coming, by the way. There is an object of thanksgiving. For all that we are. And all that is. And it's not people. It's God. He is God. He made you. You are accountable to him. And he will keep you. If you trust in him. What amazes me most about Thanksgiving. In prayer. Is that it actually. It's even better. It doesn't have to end there. Thanksgiving is not the end of our prayers. God gives us not only forgiveness and new life, but He gives us the opportunity to ask Him for even more. We call that supplication, and you'll have to come back next week. Let's pray for our Thanksgiving in the Lord. God, it is so easy. For need to doubt who you are. When I feel a certain way. Or when I don't feel a certain way. The Lord the most freeing thing. I can possibly know. Is that it's not up to me. And that not only have you given us new life. That results in our thankfulness. And the renewing of our minds. Our hearts and our work. But you have given us brothers and sisters. That we get to walk with. And help them know you. And love you. And work for you. Lord would you renew us. Daily. And as we struggle would you help us to trust in the reality. That your work is finished. Amen.